And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Randall Smith, who had a near-death experience due to carbon monoxide poisoning. His NDE has been studied by Dr. Bruce Grayson, and today we're going to talk about it and more. Randall, thank you for joining me and welcome. Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate it. Not a problem. How are you doing today? I'm great, and even better now that you're here. <laughs> okay. Yeah, okay. Okay. Well, let's start on the day that this accident happened and go from there. Okay. February 28th, 1968. Uh, it was in the evening. My dad was asked to go over and work on a car with a couple other friends uh, that wasn't running right or something or another. So I always went with my dad. I'm a car guy. So I always went with my dad. I was only six. So I hung out with my dad. We went over there and um, I remember going into the garage and um, the car was running. I didn't, wasn't paying attention to that whatsoever. And there's two or three of them standing at the door. It's a walking door. The overhead door was closed. Um, it was, you know, February, so it's cold. So the walk-in doors open and they were staying at the door getting air and things of that sort while working on the car. I was behind the car playing. Again, six years old, didn't think anything of it. So I recall getting dizzy. And then the next thing I know, I'm standing. I got two spiritual beings on the other side of me and they're shimmering and they look like confetti, just all different types of colors and things of that sort, but the shimmering on either side of me. We go down a hallway, um, and on my right, there's it, this lined, just lined with, it looks like sleeves about this tall and about that wide, but they were made out of crystal. And I was told, these, this is the books of life right here as we go on down this hallway. And then we went to a few other places, and I don't recall everything that we saw there. Just so much that happened so quick. And we came into this into this room, and this room was huge. Being six, everything is big. I don't know exactly how big it was, but it was huge. And I was motions to go forward by these two beings. So we're, I look around, you know, and I can see that they don't have any faces. They don't have any hands. It's just a human outline of what we call a human being, and they glimmered and shined. So we're walking towards this. Um, it looked like a great big stop sign in the middle of the room, and I can see that there's things going on in there, you know. So we either walked or glided up there to the side of this well, and as there, I, I noticed that in this well was it looked like confetti, just a lot of confetti everywhere, just confetti. And they kind of urged me to put my hands in it like this. And when I did, I got a light tingling sensation, like being shocked, but you're not shocked. It's like a that of a battery. And, and I could feel it. I could see all the colors of the rainbow, just all the colors, you know, magentas, purples, pinks, blues, orange, all the colors are just sparkling all over me. I felt the same tingling sensation. And I pulled my hands back out and I kind of did one of these numbers. And as I'm doing Something like this, I, I felt in my head that you can go any direction you want to. And when I recognized that thought, room, a hallway appeared in front of me to the right and left and behind me. I started this way and I looked back to my back and I looked again to my left. And when I looked again to my left, I was on the couch in these people's house. And I don't know who... I still don't know who these people are. My parents have long since passed. Um, but they pulled oxygen off my face, and, and I heard him say, he's back. And then they took me to the doctor, and then they took me to the hospital, and they said I was fine. They did all kind of tests on me and this and that. And uh, according to my dad and a couple people, I was down about 19 to 20 minutes because they pounded on me. They couldn't get me back, couldn't get me back, pounded on me. I was really sore when I woke up. I was crying. I was only six, but I was really sore because when they were pounding on me, trying to get me back and things of that sort. So then I came back and I grew up in a Southern Baptist family. My mom's dad was a Southern Baptist minister. And um, we followed that to a T, you know, growing up. But what I experienced was when I was in the light, didn't resonate with, I'm not, saying anything bad about religion whatsoever. I grew up in and I love the worship and I love all of that. 
Uh, I'm a musician, so that's a passion of mine. But it didn't resonate with me what was being taught and talked about in the church. It just didn't. You know, even at six and seven, I was arguing with my parents and my grandfather and this and that. And at one point or another, I, I decided not to say anything else because every time I said something, oh, you're going to hell, son. If you don't stop talking like that, you're going to hell. I don't want to go to hell. So I stopped talking about that. You know, 10, 8, 9, 10 years later, it eats you. Something happened. I know what happened. I was visited by spirit beings. I see things. I hear things. I sense things. I know things. I, I, I don't like to say things like this, Jeff. I'm just a hollow bone. The information comes through spirit and it comes out. I'm just a messenger, a hollow bone. There's crazy things that happen to a person when you had a near-death experience. Like we talked about earlier, lights, I'm surprised it's still on. My computer will freeze up and things like that. I cannot wear a watch. Electricity in my body is really, once you've had a near-death experience, things are different. And that's definitely a common thing that a lot of near-death experience people talk about is the energy is way different. So growing up, my mom used to have me kiss her head or just touch my back, son, or I hurt. Can you please help? And the pain would go away. <clears throat> I didn't think anything about it other than I'm a six, seven, eight, nine-year-old kid. And why am I being bothered about stuff like this? Why? Why? I mean, I, mean, I don't know, you know? So as time goes on, people would come up to me <clears throat> and just ask. Just ask crazy questions. And I don't know why they would. I mean, now I understand that they felt the energy coming off of me and they understood that there's something else going on here. I'm not any different, any better, or any worse than anybody else on this planet. We all have these gifts and these abilities. It's just a matter of tuning in and trying to make them happen, you know, and you work with those things. So people would come up to me and ask me all kinds of crazy questions and just share their personal life. Just like, oh my God, seriously, why? I mean, why? Why? And I would give them answers, and I don't know where the answers came from. I have no idea. I'm positive that when I put my hands in that well, I was charged to divine, well, divine intervention, but divine information. Um, I do psychic medium stuff. Um, I do all kinds of things in that realm because I've been in that place, and I was attuned with those abilities. So, well, again, growing up, I... I repressed it and I held it back and held it back and held it back. You know, I'm a musician. Um, I do, I'm an upholsterer too by trade. I do custom and classic cars. And it having this attunement done to you in a near-death experience really opens up a veil that most wish that they could see. But the problem with that is you don't really want to see some of the stuff that we see and hear and feel and sense in that because our emotional body usually can't take what, you know, what is being heard or said or this and that, you know. So as as time goes on, you learn to develop skills that help me to hone these abilities and travel dimensions easier and things of that sort. I'm a shamanic practitioner. I started doing shamanism in the late 80s, early 90s. Once I understood that I'm really different. And there's a lot of other people like me. I belong to IAMS, which is International Association for Near-Death Studies. I've been a, a member of that since the 90s also. That's how Dr. Bruce Grayson and I met, and he studied me, you know, for those this amount of time. But anyway, so I, I dove into shamanism headfirst, and I became a Reiki master. I, I know that these right here, and everybody has this ability. Again, I'm not any different, especially anybody else. Everybody has the ability to touch somebody and heal and heal them. And what I mean by heal them, I know YouTube is crazy. When you start the activation of a healing process within a person's physical body, the body has no choice but to follow suit and follow along with that. It's like tuning the guitar. If you tune one string, Hey, you're good, but the rest of those other five sound like crap. So let's tune the whole set. Now you can play the instrument. And that's what the body is. The body is an instrument. And once you tune the body, it will automatically play like it's supposed to, like our cells and everything like that. So learning how to do this early in life really was very important to me.
um, not only in the physical aspect of it, but the spiritual aspect of it too. When I was gone, those 19, 20 minutes, I did see a lot of different, um, they were beings, but they were new from the earth and they're ascending souls into the spirit world. There was a lot of them in the blue-gray world that seemed to be just meandering and lost and walking around and wondering what happened to them and things of that sort. So in the process of seeing this and this experience, I was urged a little later in my mid-20s, early 30s, to help people cross over. I would see spirits here and there. And everybody freaks out when they see a spirit. They think it's they think it's the devil or think it's something like that. A spirit can come to you in a guise of your greatest fear. So they can come to you as the devil or this and that. I don't believe in the devil or nothing like that. I do believe it's just dark force entities that cause havoc and can say that they are that. But I believe they are dark force entities everywhere on this planet. So in regards to that, I learned how to transfer the dimensions and help spirits cross over. And it's called psychopomp. That is one of the greatest things I believe that was given to me, the greatest gift that was given to me during my near-death experience is the ability to help people cross over. I absolutely love doing it. I love doing hands-on healing. I do a lot of psychic medium readings and things of that sort too. But helping people cross over after seeing what I saw when I was in the when I was in those tunnels, and I'm talking about the near the experience itself, um, just the amount of people, just mind blowing. I mean, why aren't you ascending and I, you know, ascending like everybody else? And I, I don't know what the answer was at that time. I do now. Uh, part of the answer, there is no real, real answer as to why people don't cross over when they do pass. But yeah, that's that's one of the best gifts that uh, I believe I received from that, along with helping people, you know, just helping people in general. Um, can I tell a story about some psychopomp work? Do you mind? Well, let me ask you some questions first. Okay, go and ahead. Then, and then go we'll ahead. get into that, because that does sound very interesting. Who do you think these beings are? The beings that greeted me there? Mm -hmm. My guides. All right. My guides. Everybody has guides from lifetime to lifetime. We are appointed guides. And these guides help us through all types of different things. And usually they will be with us from lifetime to lifetime to lifetime. So I'm pretty positive it was my guides. Are guides beings that were previously human or are they energy beings that never incarnate? I believe it's both. I, I believe it's both. The incarnation on the Earth sphere itself, we are an emotional planet. So we will need that type of being who is really strong in understanding all the emotions that have to do with being on this planet. And, you know, every emotion from happiness, to sadness to whatever your mind can think of, this is that planet. We are an emotional planet. And I believe these beings were here with me to assist in the growth of being on this emotional plane. I know this is going to be speculation, but why are some people not crossing over? The act of death happens very quickly for some people, war scenes and things of that sort. So they're taken out of the body that quick and don't know what happened. So, and when the light appears, and you get somebody come from the light, like a grandmother, grandfather, mom, dad, brother, sister, or whomever comes from the light to greet you, based on how you perceived the religion you were taught, if somebody comes from the light for you, it's of the devil, and they're going to take you away. So a lot of people don't transcend because of fear. Fear is the big one, and then not knowing that you're dead. And alcohol and any types of drugs, things like that also discombobulate the mind and the spirit to the point where you can be on this plane for quite a while before you actually cross over. Again, the white light will appear and beings will come from that light. Uh, again, moms, dads, mothers, all, all of them, they'll come from light to help you cross over because it's easier to cross over with somebody that you know and love as opposed to a stranger. And you've never seen this person before. That's why they usually come. And that's why they're usually in the rooms when people are getting ready to pass. Is it your actual family members that are coming from the white light or is it your guides appearing like family members? Okay, that's a great question. 
Okay. Now, our families that we perceive as being our families sometimes are just the vessel to get you here as a spirit. Okay, because a lot of issues that most people have in life are family related and it's not usually friend related so they're just the vessel that brought us here so the people that come from the light are typically they're your guides and they're spirit masters and they are members of your family group your soul group we all have a soul group that we are a part of so and yes they come from the light and can be perceived as being your dad or your mom or your worst enemy and once you transcend into the light and you go through the life review and things of that sort this being will change or disappear altogether and then your guides will come in and then they will go over your life review with you and things of that sort so yeah and no to the question earlier you mentioned that you see and hear things that most people would not want to see or hear. Can you tell us about that? Yes. When when doing uh, a battle scene, doing psychopomp work at a battle scene, there are times where I'm actually shown the act of what took this person's life. I won't see the gruesome side of it, but I will see the spirit leap. And I that does happen a lot. That way I can give validation to whomever hired me for the job or whatever the case may be. Um, I, I, I've seen accidents before they happen. Um, yeah, you know, things like that. And talking to people, you can kind of, and you have to really discern, is it my mind or is it what's going on there? Because if I never think of anything like this as I'm talking to somebody and I'm getting these crazy thoughts going on here, that person either has an attachment on them and or they're thinking some pretty crazy things and that that type of stuff right there and a lot of times i've got filters that i, I try to keep in place that i can reject about any negative energy and things of that sort i gotta knock on some wood okay so so i try to keep those filters in place to take care of things that won't affect me albeit i have gotten attachments and things like that and i've removed them rather quickly but it does happen an attachment is a spirit that hasn't crossed over and attaches to people Okay, so and I call them attachments. I don't like to say possession because possession is too Hollywood for me. Uh, I have yet to see anybody completely and totally possessed by another by another spirit because we have free will. Uh, we are awesomely powerful spiritual beings, awesomely powerful spiritual beings, having a physical experience, and that we're not very good at. If you understand who walks beside you, and I know everybody's heard this, if you truly understood who walks beside you, Fear would be impossible, would be impossible. I even get fearful occasionally. You know, the worst thing they might do to you is scale you. And then you're, then you're going home to where you came from to begin with to come here. So there's just so many people are afraid to die, afraid to die, afraid to die, afraid to die. They forget to live. It's like going into another room. Can you share with me how you actually connect with these beings to help them cross over? Sure can okay in shamanism we use a rattle or a drum and if you beat that in a monotonous sound six to eight beats per second you can alter your consciousness to the point anybody can do this you can alter your consciousness to the point where you're in that just beyond dream state but not in the rim state and, and at that point you can transverse the different dimensions and help cross over or summons somebody to come and assist you. When I do any type of any type of psychopomp work, I always put the white and gold light of love and protection around and through me. I need to see this happening. And then I'll put a baby blue bird egg around on my aura. Your aura is your national defense mechanism. Nothing can penetrate this if you've protected it. And then everything else is here is good. So I do all of this ritual stuff, and then I'll drum for a minute. A lot, a lot of times, I don't even have to drum. I, it's because I'm very sensitive to things like this, especially when somebody else is in the area or in the room. So, and what I do is I'll sit down and then I'll ask for, uh, ask for those in the light that are family, friends, and or loved ones of those that are trapped here. Please come forth and assist and help with the healing and help these people to cross over and to go home. 
And inevitably, every single time I do that, there's a little white light that will appear somewhere in the room around me or just somewhere. And that light will stay there. And you have to be in an altered state of consciousness to see this light. There's a lot of people do. But so this light will stay in the room until all the spirits that are in the area have transcended into the light. So when I do this and I'll talk to them, and a lot of times it's just getting to know the person that you're talking with. Uh, a lot of people reject when they hear things. In this type of work, you have to pay attention to everything you hear. Everything has a little message to it. So I, I'll i get on that same level of thought and we'll talk. And I'll ask for their moms, dads, mothers, sisters, whomever they love the most will come for them from the light. And once they see them, and they haven't been there for a long, long time, they'll cross over almost immediately. I, I got to tell a quick story, if you don't mind. I did a place in southern Indiana. I did a place in southern Indiana. It um, They had built a brand new home. And the wall, the basement wall in his home cracked and broke three different times. So on the fourth time, they tore out the back half of the house, brand new, never lived in, tore out the back half of this house, put a new basement wall in. And again, it cracked from one side to the other. So they had heard about me through, I'm not sure who, but anyway, so they call the place where I was at and talked to me about it and asked them to send me some pictures of the wall. And when they sent pictures of the wall, there's a difference between an orb and a dust particle and things of that sort. An orb has an energy to itself, and you can tell as opposed to a dust particle in the air. There was over 500 on this picture alone. There was just so many. You're going, oh, my God, somebody should have wiped it down. So I said, okay. It, it, and as soon as I saw the picture, I just I put my hand on it, and I started getting images, started getting images. And it's like, okay, I see what's going on here. So I... I called them back a uh, short time after they sent the, the movie or the video and uh, I told them what was going on and uh, they said, okay, what do you charge? So we made arrangements. I went down to Southern Indiana. All right. They had a great big hill. I'm from Tennessee. We have mountains down in Indiana. They have hills. So they had a house almost to the top of this big hill. So they decided to build another home brand new halfway down. So they didn't have to drive the road. They were in their seventies days at the time. They didn't want to drive this when it snows. We get, you know, we get snow on the feet up here. So um, th they called and asked me to do this. I went down there and talked to them for a minute, you know, and uh, figured out what I needed to do. I don't let people stick around when I do this type of work because I don't want a spirit jumping on them. So I have everybody leave and have them leave for a couple, three hours. Just, I, I tell everybody, I'll call you when I'm done and you come back and let me know what you think is going on and so on and so forth. So they left and uh, I walk into the main level. It's a three-story home, walkout basement. <clears throat> the walkout basement is the one that had the broken wall on the side of it and it was still broken when I went there. So anyways, I'm on the middle level and I'm looking out over the uh, looks like a ravine, nice balcony ravine. So I'm just kind of sitting on the floor. I drummed for a second and I, a young man popped in right next to me almost immediately. As soon as I just hit a couple notes on the drum and there he is. So I stopped and I start talking to him. He had been here for a while. Um, he didn't give me the exact time, but the way he was dressed, it looked, I don't know the Confederate, the Northern, the Southern uniforms. Although I'll be, I'm from the South. I still don't know the uniforms that well. So I don't know who was who, but he had gray pants on blue shirt. And it looked like he had a mixed match of both uniforms. So I'm talking to him and um, we talked for five minutes, six minutes, maybe. And I asked him if he knew that he had passed. He knew something had happened, but he wasn't sure because he wasn't able to reach out to anybody who walked into the room. So he knew something had happened, but wasn't sure. And when we were talking in that context, shortly after we had made that statement, his grandmother appeared and he goes, Grandma. And as soon as he said that, he left. And then the then when that happened, the panoramic view of everybody that had passed was on that hill. There were they weren't stacks of people. There were five, six here, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten here, and just just all over this. Now the ridge was probably the size of a football field, wide and deep, about a hundred feet, um, give or take. So, and it was on both sides that you can just, they were just, a skirmish had happened there and it looked, 
there were farmers, there were hands, uh, there were blacks, there were whites, there were Mexicans, all kinds of people fighting the same side, apparently, because they were the only ones left there that were dead. So whomever attacked him, I couldn't make out any difference. So I really, really wasn't sure. So after trying to communicate with the, the group, you know, a lot of people started coming in from the light. And when this happens again, people just start just take just start taking off. It's it's like watching the fireworks shoot off, but not exploding. So it looks like the grand finale with no explosions at the end. Just pew, pew, pew. so all these people just boom, boom, all these spirits just going boom, boom, boom. And it's like, oh my God, this is great. So when it was all said and done, I, I felt just so much calm and peace over me after doing this one particular house, it was unbelievable. So you wipe the tears away, I put my stuff away and I, I do another scan of the property. Everything just feels so light. The birds are singing, the, the, the trees are, they look like they're absorbing the light better. Everything just seems, the energy changed in the area and I felt it and it was incredible. So I call the people and I say, come on back. Um, I'm done. Um, I'll do another final walk around the property to make sure there's nobody that uh, was left behind. I don't like to do that. So they came and come up the hill and, you know, and I'm telling them what I experienced and this and that. And uh, it probably took, I don't know, 30, 40 minutes to explain what had happened. And I tried to be as detailed as possible to them since they're, you know, they're the hirees. So um, I, I was as detailed as I possibly can. They go, okay, let's take a little ride. I'm thinking to myself, I'm, I'm hungry. Okay, let's go get something to eat. So we get in the car, we go to the bottom of the hill, we turn left. For me, left has been something significant in my life. It's always left for me. For the greatest opportunities, I need to look left. I don't know what it is this kind of crazy. Um, but anyway, so we turn left. We go around the backside of this hill that they owned, and we turn into a little drive right there. And you know what? I was beside myself. They pulled into a, a cemetery. I call it a Civil War cemetery, but it wasn't it was a cemetery resembling civil war times and when we went in there it's like oh my god this is unbelievable she goes yeah, i believe this is everybody that you crossed over right here it's in a cemetery and then there was 750 plus people crossed over that day i was given a number just real quick as the last one goes you help 750 of us i don't ask for things like that because it's really not relevant to me i just want to cross over as many people as i possibly can regardless of the outcome the number or anything like that but when i saw that and they said that to me it just it floored me I mean, that's the greatest validation I've ever got in my life. But you know, that was just, I was beside myself. Being able to help that many go home, you know, to their other spirit guides, their moms, their dads, their brothers, their sisters, to everybody that had been gone for so long. So that was a great achievement and just a great moment for me in my life at this point. That's amazing to think about that they had, they have been there since that the Civil War. Yeah, that long. It's 200 years, man. But yeah, but if time doesn't exist on the other it side, it doesn't. It only exists right here in our head. You know, I mean, there really isn't anything such thing as time. But the emotional thought of that amount of time is what is overwhelming to me sometimes. Are people supposed to connect with their guides? Yes, we are given signs all the time. A picture of a picture of somebody just out of the blue appears, just for nothing. Or you keep getting a phrase, or you keep getting serendipitous experiences happening to you. Now your guide's trying to get a hold of you. Our guides are very close to us, and it's as simple as meditating and meditating regularly. The classes that I teach about meditation is, is when you meditate, you need to do at least 20 minutes a day. And you try to do it at the same time every day. When you do it at the same time, that lets your guides know that you're serious about wanting connection with them. So when you do it at the same time every day, one of these days it's going to pop and you're going to, you're going to start either seeing things, hearing things, or getting audible messages or whatever the case may be. For me, it was poof, right there he is. It's like, oh, oh crap. Now what? Oh, you want to talk? Oh, okay. What are we going to talk about type of deal? You know, once once the fear is gone and you need to approach this as best as you can without any fear, because they try not to scare us in the slightest bit. It's like having any type of contact with any type of being. The more fearful you are, the less likely it's going to happen. If you're open to things like that, it will happen. We come here not remembering the past life. We have fear 
And we don't know who our guides are. And I'm pretty sure that 99% of the population has never contacted their guides. So with all of this, why do we even come here? It's a, it's a playground of learning. It's an emotional planet. And we base every decision, everything that we do out of our emotions. Learning how to control our, our emotions and work with them, um, I believe, is one of the big lessons that we, come that we come here for, along with opening up and understanding the gifts that were given to us that very few can touch on. That's why I bring up meditation, because when you meditate, things start opening up to you. Everybody has some sort of artistic ability. Everybody, you know, cooking, cleaning, or whatever, you know, painting, drawing, upholstery, whatever. The, the more you meditate and regularly meditate at the same time, the, the wider the box hole is going to be for you to look out of. Because meditating opens a new door for you or opens a door further that you've already had open. So just by meditating alone can activate almost any of these gifts. Is there a specific meditation technique that you recommend? Uh, some people like to tone. Some people like to, uh, um, uh, that would be considered toning and toning and things of that sort. I don't like to hear anything. I want quiet, absolute quiet. And if you have to fight yourself to stay awake, you're in a good meditation. So uh, I like to meditate to no noise. I used to meditate to music, but being a musician, I'm very particular and very picky. So, you know, I'm a drummer. And if it varies in tempo, it gets my attention right now and it takes me out of the meditation. If the tempo changes, it takes me out of the meditation. It's like, okay, I can't do this. So I started listening to nature. I love birds. So when I start listening to nature in a meditation, I would hear a bird I recognize brings me out of my meditation. So I had to stop doing that too. So now let's do quiet. Quiet to me is perfect uh, because I can just basically transverse the levels and here we go. Get information, send information, do long distance healings, whatever the case may be. But meditation again is the key to opening any door as far as intuitive abilities is concerned. If we get back to emotions and we're here to learn how to control our emotions, would you say that we should be able to have things happen to us and we don't get emotional about it? Or is it that we can feel our emotions and then we let them go quickly? Like what part of control do we need to learn? And that really depends on the personality of the person too. Um, an over-exaggeration of anything is not good. An under-exaggeration of anything is not good, too. Because everybody, we need to show some kind of emotion when things happen for us and to us and or for other people. You know, either inspire or be inspired. And that's kind of where the emotional realm is for me. And, I, you know, that's for me. I like to inspire people as much as possible. And I love to be inspired because when I'm inspired, I inspire more. So it's kind of one of those things. It's a, um, what do they call that? A revolving door. You know, what you put in, others put in, and so on and so forth. So, yeah. While being a drummer, whenever you're playing live, do you ever get to a point where <laughs> you become the music? I am the music. Yeah. I, I have things written all over the place, and I'm the timekeeper. And I don't refer to that as being the almighty or anything like that. I keep time. So I'm a timekeeper. When I'm immersed in a song and, and you're in what is called the pocket when you're playing music, nothing feels any better than that. It's one thing to turn on your radio and hear music. It's another thing to be able to create and play what you hear from the radio. That is, oh my, you know, other than delivering my daughter, there's no greater feeling than being in a pocket with a bunch of other guys or women playing music and creating that. And it is definitely divinely inspired. Um, it, it's just, it's amazing. The, the feeling you get from doing your part and you're not trying to show off. You're just, you're doing your part. You're in the money. You're playing the money is what they call it. Uh, you're playing money. And by playing money, it means I'm keeping a solid tempo. Everybody's in the pocket and you can feel all the different nuances from the guitar player, the piano player, 
um, the singer, everybody's got their just little signature that you can pick out all of it. So yeah, you do become the music. And I really, I know there's a lot of musicians that do the same thing, but I really believe because of my near-death experience and the reattunement and alignment of my electrical system helps me to, to be in that pocket longer and more enjoyable and understand. It's really kind of weird to understand what everybody is doing. I'm a multi-instrumentalist myself, but to understand and see what everybody else is doing and you can feel, you can feel the music. I mean, it's like I said, it's one thing to play, but when you can feel it and it comes from your soul, now you're in something. Yeah. I, I really believe my near death experience attributed to amped it up for me, amped it up for me real big. Has the memory of your NDE faded over time? No, not at all. Not at all. Do you feel that the other side is more real than here or dreamlike? It's more real than here. And would you it's say more real than here? Why yeah. would I say that is because the energy that I feel, it's like the animals, they're attuned without having to do anything they're automatically attuned to the different dimensions so when when i can feel that it just uh, to me it's a miracle for it to happen anyways it's like i was embedded with the chords and the music within me you know i really didn't receive any type of drum lessons until later in life when i decided to expand my skills a little bit more i came out playing the drums after my near-death experience same thing with the guitar I never took really any guitar lessons till later in life, but I wanted to, you know, expand on that a little bit, but uh, it was, it's just amazing. Are you still in contact with Dr. Grayson? I haven't talked to Bruce um, probably in about two years at this point. Um, when he gets a, uh, a questionnaire and he really needs some input, he'll call me and he'll text me some stuff and things of that sort. The last time I talked to Bruce, we did a, a, uh, a thing in Norfolk, Virginia. I was one of the keynotes along with him. Uh, but th that's the last time I talked to Bruce. Yeah, he's good people. Have you told him about the psychopomp work you do and what is his opinion on it? I have told him about that. And ironically, there are more that do this work than not once you've had a near-death experience because the door it's 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 open it's just a matter of pushing it open a little farther so you can see it and hearing things of that sort so yeah he um um he he, he didn't argue about it at all we talked about it quite a bit on a few of his uh, questionnaires to me and a lot of kids do are able to do this why do you think some experiencers have trouble processing their nde uh, because of the religion and the type of experience that they had. You know, I have nothing really bad to say about religion other than I think it's a downfall to society. <laughs> Sorry. But, you know, religion has caused more problems than not. Albeit people think they need to be saved and things like that. You can't save an eternal being. It's already saved. When we die, we go to the light automatically, regardless of whatever was said or this and that we go to the light everybody goes to the light hitler's in the light all those folks are in the light now they didn't go up to the upper echelons of the light but they went into the light and they were dealt with accordingly we judge ourselves we're not judged by god we're not judged by beings we're not judged by anybody we judge ourselves we are our own worst enemies so if the listening audience was to take a second and think about this if God couldn't show up today and he asked you to step in now, what difference did God make? That's a good question. A lot of people don't understand. We are. We are. You know, I was asked last night, do I believe in God? I'm going to watch how I answer this very carefully, okay? I do not believe in God. I know God. I know God. When you believe in something, it's not here. When you know something, it's right here in your heart. I know God. The beings that were next to me conveyed so much love when I was there. It's undeniable, absolutely undeniable what you feel when you're in their presence. That's God. That's God. God is the creator. I believe there are many gods. It's like a factory. 
you have the big boss, and then you have the really big boss, and then whomever owns the conglomeration. So you've got middlemen, middlemen, you know, uh, um, managers, and all those folks. So there are many gods. A lot of people don't like that at all, but there are. There's many gods, and when you cross over, you'll discover, you'll discover that yourself. Now, if if you became everybody you've ever interacted with. How would your responses be to people? And that means everybody you've ever encountered or come in contact with, that would be the guy that crossed you and cut you off and you flipped off. If you became everybody you've encountered, your life would change and your response and reaction to people would change too. You would no longer be an or a whatever. You would be true 100% to who you are. We are awesomely powerful spiritual beings having a physical experience and that we're not very good at. I like to say that a lot. I got that from Daniel Brinkley. He was struck by lightning three times. Uh, but anyways, I like to say that a lot because it is true. We are awesomely powerful spiritual beings. And if you really realize that, then you would stop struggling. You know, we're not struggling. We're experiencing what life is given to us by our thoughts. We can create. We are co-creators with the God energy. You ever think about something and it happens? Hey, you just co-created with God. That's how this works. Same thing with winning the lottery or doing anything. We are co-creators. If you think about it enough, you know where energy flows, creation goes. So think about it enough, things happen. We are, again, awesomely powerful spiritual beings. You spoke earlier about dark force entities. What are they? Dark force entities would be those that are, have been involved in um, negative energy work, uh, things like some of the reptilians, supposed, and things of that sort. And they like to create the havoc. By creating havoc, there is no harmony. When there's harmony, you understand who you are and what you are as opposed to be in a state of chaos all the time. That's what the dark force entities like to do is create havoc and things of that sort. That's why we have a lot of things going on right now that we do across the planet because the dark force entities have intercepted basically everything. Things are changing. We're getting ready to get out of that. But that's what dark force entities are. What is their benefit of having all this havoc? That's a good question. I'm not really sure to keep uh, harmony and love from happening. You know, why was uh, the devil supposedly thrown out of heaven? What about hell? Does that exist? Other than being married before, I don't really believe in hell, man. <laughs> and it's no disrespect to the women or whatever the marriage thing is right there. We just did not get along, so no big deal. You know, I like to say that anyways. But hell is a state of mind. You know, earth is heaven and earth is hell. You can create your own hell or you can create your own heaven. It's right here, right now. We're in the moment of now. I don't believe in hell at all. And a lot of people do not believe that statement coming from me. But I don't believe that there is a hell. I don't really believe there is a hell. I've been to the spirit world and there was no hell there. I was accepted by so much love that, I mean, the first thing you do is cry. Just it's overwhelming the amount of love you get from there. And why would, why would your loving God put you in hell? You judge yourself. There was nobody standing around me judging me. I was only six. So my life review was like that. Okay, you're good. Come on. So, and like I said, I belong to IONS and I, I talk to a lot of near-death experiencers and they all say the same thing. We judge ourselves when we cross over. We judge ourselves. Our spirit guides are right here with us. How did you respond to this in life? Would you do it any different? And this is what we're saying to ourselves because the physical dimension vibrations is here. When, you, when you're in the spirit world, your vibrations are there. So you see things from a different perspective in that mindset as you do in the mindset you're in right now. So you're able to ask the questions. They might, might be guided by your guides, but you ask the questions to yourself. God wasn't there pointing his finger at me. And I don't believe there's a male or female God. I believe there's both. And again, like I said earlier, I believe just many gods. We judge ourselves. We are our own worst critics and enemies to begin with. So who not better to judge you than you? Because you know where you've been. You know what you've done. And when it's brought to light in the spirit world, you can't lie to yourself. You're not going to lie to yourself. 
Do you think that there is an end point to coming back here? And if so, where would you go next? Okay. I believe there is an end point to, re to um, re reincarnation on the earth plane. And I believe that we go to other planes of existence. They could be mental planes. They could be just a physical plane. Uh, they could be any any other plane. But I, yeah, I believe there's an end point to the incarnation on the physical realm of Earth. The Earth plane is a very physical, emotional plane. And we're not going to get it one time. It might take us a hundred times. might take us two. might take us a thousand times. I don't know. But at some point or another, we will figure out the emotional side of the human that we were and the emotional side of the spirit being that we are in order to be a healer you have to experience a lot of things i've seen a lot of trauma i've dealt with a lot of trauma and because of that these work you know and again i've got a device that works just as good if not better but we come back here until our lessons are learned and we have a soul group that we work with too so when all of our lessons are basically we're about level playing field here, then I think we can transcend or transverse into a transcend into another dimension and work there. And it could be an all an all mental dimension. It could be an all spiritual dimension. I'm not sure, but yeah, we do have a a karmic end on Earth on this physical plane right here. I believe a significant number of near death experiencers also start seeing UFOs. Do you see them? Um, yeah, I see UFOs. I've seen a lot of UFOs. Um, um, okay, we're on a good podcast here, so I'm just going to go ahead and talk. There are, I have four alien beings that I ask to assist in doing certain aspects of the healing and or cycle pump work. Okay, we are not the only inhabitants of this planet. So, and when you start seeing through the veil, You'll notice that, wow, there's a lot of different, not beings, but there's a lot of different spirits comes in different guises of bodies that are here. So I see a ton of UFOs. I walked outside the front door of my house here oh, about two, maybe three years ago. And I'm always, I try, I meditate all the time and I try to stay in as tune as possible. So I, I'm out here look, just looking out across the street and I look up. And what looked like the entire side of a craft was right in front of me. I saw a little light here and another light somewhere on this craft. And then it looked like some kind of knobs or something on it, but it was massive. And what I'm looking at, I see a big sky. And for this thing to take up that much sky, it had to be a massive craft. I've seen that several times. I saw it twice here in Indiana. I took a class in New Mexico, and I saw it also in Santa Fe while I was there. I've seen uh, alien beings. Yes, I've seen several. I have um, pictures of a craft in Fort Wayne. Uh, we were just taking pictures of what looked like a cloud, and it had looked like a scepter coming out of it. You know, it was cool. So we took pictures of it and took it home, put it on the computer. It's like, oh, my God, seriously. There were a uh, craft. And they were orange-shaped right at the other end of what looked like a scepter. And the scepter, something was shot. Several things were shot out of the front of that crap. And it looked like a scepter was out of that. But that was what was left of the trails of the craft that were up there. So in the pictures, there were three or four here and three or four or five over here. And one of them was, one of them was here. The next photo, which was fractions of a second, he was down here. And then again, the next photo, fraction of a second, he was up here. So there's no possible way an orb can travel that fast. And from where we were sitting, I just got out of the vehicle, snapped pictures, got right back in the vehicle. And it was probably to the end of the parking lot was probably, I don't know, a quarter mile. But my view of the sky was limitless. There was nothing in the way, no trees, nothing in the way. So I don't, yeah. I see them. I see them often. I hear things. I see things. Yeah. You mentioned earlier that you affect electrical things like a watch or I guess, um, you know, lights and computers. Yes. Do you think somehow near-death experiencers get rewired electrically that that happens as well as they see UFOs? 
there's not a doubt in my mind we get rewired electrically. Absolutely. Yeah. I cannot wear a watch, um, any type of watch. I was given a very expensive watch, a self-winding, very expensive watch. I put it on. I went to the other part of my shop, come back around, and was going to thank the person that gave me the watch, and it was not working. I twisted my hand. It was not working. Twisting my hand was not working. I took it off, and I did that, and the hands go, just spun. So she took it back to the place she bought it, and they go, this should never happen. You want another one? I said, don't, don't even bother. Don't bother giving me a watch. Give me If you want to give me something, give me something that is not electrical, and I'll be good with it. So... That's where we are with that. But I have never been able to wear a watch since six years old. And I've got some real nice watches. I cannot wear them. They just go crazy. Lights, it's like the computer here. We're having issues almost from the very get-go. I get issues. These lights right here, I'm surprised they haven't went out because they almost always do. But yeah, I have issues with electrical stuff all the time. My car, oh yeah. I have to go old school in the car. I got a Jeep and it just the electrical system does not like me in the slightest bit. So I got to go old school and get something with a carburetor. Well, after watching this podcast, people may want to reach out to you and ask you questions. Are you open okay. to that? Yeah, sure. Not a problem. The best way to get a hold of me is my email. Just go ahead and shoot me an email. RandallSmith800 at gmail.com. I am on Facebook. I am on LinkedIn. I am on other sites. Uh, but just get a hold of me through email. That way I can I can get a hold of you quicker. Randall, before we finish up, can you leave us with one last positive message? If you became everybody you've ever encountered, how would your life change? And how would you respond to people? If you became everybody you've ever encountered, how would your life change? And how would your response change to people? Because you will become everybody you've ever encountered in your life review. Randall, thank you for that message. And thank you for being my guest. Not a problem, Jeff. Thank you for the invite. I appreciate it. You have a good day. You too. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.